0: All right, let's dive into this week's message from our greater than expected series. Come on, let's give a warm welcome to Pastor Tom. Good morning, Word of Life. So glad that you were able to come and hang out with us. And uh, I don't know who that guy in the video with a beard is, um, but you better leave my wife alone. So, um, Let's take a moment and let's pray. We don't necessarily do this at the beginning of every message, but uh, I feel that today we, we should take some time to pray. Today we're going to look at, um, in the Greater Than Expected series, we're going to look at Jesus as the healer. Uh, and I want to sort of, uh, we're going to take time at the end of service to um, pray and invite people to come down. And so if this is for you, if this is for um, someone else, whatever it may be, both in person, and online, we're going to take time, we're going to pray, and we're going to believe for miraculous healings to happen in here. So let's take a moment and let's pray together and let's set the atmosphere right and let's get our hearts right for um, whatever God wants to do today. So, Lord, we're here. We're here. We're ready to meet with you. We're ready to encounter your goodness, encounter your love, encounter your power. So, Lord, for everyone that's here today, everyone that's listening, whether it's here online or uh, whether it's at home, whatever it may be, but, Lord, people are here and they're hearing this message, Lord, hopefully something will speak to somebody. Lord, I pray that my words, the words of Tom Wood, would fade to the background, but your words, Lord, your words would grab a hold of people's heart today. Lord, that you do something tremendous in here. You do something amazing. You do something life-changing in here. Lord, that you bring a healing, whether it's to one or whether it's to many, but Lord, that you do something truly remarkable in here. Lord, we believe in you. We trust you. We have faith in you and confidence in you, and we love you with all our hearts, and we are ready for you to do something wonderful in here today. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate you praying with me. But uh, as we hear on the video, we're back into week two of a series that we've started. And this is going to go all the way um, up until Easter. And I, for one, cannot believe that Easter is knocking on our door. But we're going to be in a series that we've called Greater Than Expected. And so it's the idea of uh, looking at the life, the ministry, the the years that Jesus walked to the earth, and how those years were greater than expected, that God did uh, through His Son, through Jesus Christ, the most amazing things, and that if we could say, anything about it, it would be that Jesus's life is greater than expected. And I don't know about you, but I can say for me that putting my faith and confidence and trust in Jesus as I've made him the Lord and center of my life, it has been absolutely greater than expected. Is that anyone else's experience as you have been a believer? So this week we are going to look at Jesus the healer. Last week we looked at Jesus the Messiah, but this week we're on to Jesus the healer. And if you spend any time reading the Gospels, the four books in the Bible that look at the life of Jesus in the New Testament, if you t- any time reading those at all, you'll see over and over again that Jesus miraculously healed people. I want to read to one of you, and this is one of dozens that we could read today. This is from Luke 6. There were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and, these, and those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him, and he healed everyone. There are dozens of times in the Gospels where stories like this, or stories about individual specific stories, uh, would come up. There are stories about blind people being able to see, lame people being able to walk, people with leprosy being healed, people with a death able to hear again. There are stories about Jesus raising people from the dead. There are stories about people where sicknesses had been ruining their lives, had led them into poverty. And a straightforward surface reading of the Gospels shows that healing people was a massive part of Jesus' earthly ministry. And you cannot convince me otherwise, but Jesus still heals today. Yeah. Jesus still heals today. Yeah. To, share, to share something of um, my story, uh, and some of you may have heard this. I believe that uh, Megan has shared this before publicly uh, here in uh, Word of Life. But I went back through the archives on the Instagram, and I've got a picture for you. This is a a picture of an Instagram post I made back in May 2013. And that's Megan in a hospital bed, as you can see. And the little legend on her lap messing with her is Elijah Timothy John Wood. Uh, He is currently 10 years old and still messing with people. But I want to read to you the comment that I wrote that accompanies this picture of Megan in a hospital bed. We were a part of a miracle today. Long story short, had to rush to the emergency room last night and left with the news that the doctors did not expect the twins to survive, and had booked Megan for a last chance surgery this morning. After some heroes prayed with us and for us, we went into the hospital today, and after some more tragic predictions from the doctor, we had another ultrasound, and there was nothing wrong. There was no sign of the complications that were causing the concerns, still absolutely amazed. I was very pleased to tell the medical staff that we've been praying, and this is an answer to prayer. Elijah Tornado, which was Elijah's nickname for obvious reasons, Elijah Tornado and Mama are chilling. I was a lot cooler 10 years ago. Maggie is going to be in hospital overnight so they can keep an eye on her, and that's from May 23rd, 2013. That's worth worth celebrating that. As I kind of read to you from the comment, we did. We went into a hospital and Megan called me. I was driving back from work and she was obviously upset and obviously concerned. And we go to the doctors and they do an ultrasound and we can see what's wrong. Like on the screen, we can see what's wrong with the twins. We can see that something is up. We then go, and we get a phone call, and it's this real bad news, it's doomy, there's no hope in the doctor's voice. But they say, Mrs. Wood, we're willing to try a last-ditch surgery. It's a Hail Mary, but we're willing to try. We don't think it's going to work, but we're willing to try. We go to the uh, hospital next morning. The doctor very nicely sits us down, looks Megan, eye to eye, and he had a great bedside manner. And he very kindly told Megan, it's like, hey, we're willing to try this. We don't think it's going to work, but we're willing to give it a try. Is that okay? And they had her all scheduled for a procedure. He says, okay, before we start getting into all that, we're going to do another ultrasound. And as I just read to you, what was the problem yesterday was not a problem in the morning. The doctor was astounded. This guy was, um, he ended up being our ob for the rest of the pregnancy until the twins were born. The twins are eight today, by the way, and doing awesome. But he ended up, he was our ob So every time he we went for a visit, he was like, so... Uh, You're still praying and stuff. Yep, there was no explanation. The medical staff were dumbfounded. This is an honest-to-goodness miracle that my twins are here today. It is a true honest-to-goodness miracle. Now, unfortunately, even though I have great stories of God's healing power that I've seen in my life, I also have some tragic stories. I've also been a part of unfortunate stories that people that I've been praying for, people that I know our church has been praying for, And the prayer wasn't answered in the way that we all hoped for. And if you're a Christian and you've been a believer for over a year, it's likely that you've prayed for healing for somebody. And the prayer hasn't been answered in the way we want it. It's hurtful, it's discouraging, it can cause doubts in faith. And so this morning as we look and we consider and we, we ponder what is it that Jesus the healer that still heals today, from my own life experience with my twins, still heals today. I wanna have a great deal of sensitivity I want to be caring and I want to be loving for everyone here today. We cannot ignore that the ministry of Jesus included many, many occasions where he prayed for the sick and saw them healed. And if we're continuing his mission, that includes praying for those who need a miracle and seeing people healed. If nothing else today, I hope that we recommit to praying for the sick and for those who need a miracle. The disappointments won't stop us praying. As followers of Jesus, as disciples, we are called to continue the mission he started. A key point of his mission was to pray for people who needed healing. And this included uh, one example that I'm gonna spend some time in. There's a man called Jairus who was a local synagogue leader and his daughter was dying. And on the way to the house, Jesus stops and heals someone else. In the meantime, a messenger comes and says, don't trouble the master now, your daughter has died. But Jesus assures them, don't be afraid, she will be healed. And this is from Luke 8. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James and the little girls, father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead, she's only sleeping. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. At that moment, her life returned and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were overwhelmed, but Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. Now, there are many different accounts of Jesus healing. This one is helpful for us today because it shows that Jesus, Jesus brought along with him to go and pay this visit to Jairus' house and pray for the daughter to come back to life. It's helpful for us because he took Peter, John, and James with him. And after the resurrection, shortly before Jesus ascended back to heaven where he still reigns today, we have this in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. Jesus came and told his disciples, including Peter, John, and James, who were with him, that saw this miracle happen. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Therefore, you, you go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Now a disciple's goal was to mirror and imitate their master. It was to do likewise, it was to continue the mission of the master. Now this wasn't exclusive to Jesus' disciples, but any first century teacher or leader that had disciples. This is the goal of a disciple, was to imitate and follow their leader, and to do likewise, and to imitate them, and to complete the mission that they started. It was to learn, study, observe, and then imitate and continue the mission of the master. And here, Jesus has gathered his disciples and is saying that you need to continue what I started. That means you going and making disciple of others the same way I have treated you as disciples. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you is what we just read. Keep the mission moving forward. And as we fast forward a few years, we see the disciples fulfilling this commission in the book of Acts. So this is an instant in the life of Peter. Acts 9, 36, there was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. If my name was Dorcas, I'd go by Tabitha too. (laughs) She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda, so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. So Peter... Peter, the one who had been with Jesus as he had healed people, the same Peter that Jesus had taken with him to Jairus' house to pray for his daughter who had died to come back to life, the same Peter who was with him on the mountain when Jesus gave the great commission to go and you continue this thing, you move this thing forward, you go and make disciples, you teach them what I've taught you, you continue the mission I've started with you, Peter, Peter goes with them. Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed, turning to the body. He said, get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers, and he presented her to them alive. Now, it's easy to see the similarities between this moment in Peter's life and the moment we read earlier about Jesus at Jairus' house. Praying for his daughter. Peter, a disciple of Jesus, is doing what he saw Jesus do. And Jesus tells Peter, along with the others, in Matthew 28, go and make other disciples. Teach them, model for them, train them to continue in the mission, including praying for sick people, people who need a miracle. Every disciple of Jesus for 2,000 years has been given the call to continue his mission. The church prays for the sick because we're on the same mission as Jesus. I'll say that again. The church prays for the sick because we're on the same mission as Jesus. The first disciples continued that aspect of the ministry, and that same call comes to you and I. Now, when talking about healing, the number one question that I'll get and you'll get is, why doesn't everyone get healed? And that's a, first, a fair question, it's worth considering and oftentimes we, as New Testament believers, will compare our experiences to what we see in the book of Acts. And let me just put something to you. The book of Acts, it covers a period of around 30 years. And in the book of Acts, there's approximately 15 to 20 times we hear about healing uh, happening within that 30 years or so. Sometimes the text describes individuals like the one we just read from Tabitha. Other times it was described times of many, many people or even crowds being healed and miracles happening. It was not unlike what we saw in the life of Jesus. But this covers a period of about 30 years. It wasn't some wild weekend in the life of the Apostle Paul. This covers a long period of time. And we know that the first century believers, just like you and I, had people among them who were sick and didn't receive the healing the way that they wanted to. We know that among the first believers, people had died before they should have. This is some verses, one here from Galatians. Galatians 4.13, surely you remember that I, Paul, talking about himself, the great apostle Paul, that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. And Paul writing again, Philippians, talking about someone that had come to visit him in jail from Philippi. Maybe I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, a co-worker, and faithful soldier. And he was your messenger to help me in my need. Long story short, this is someone the church in Philippi had sent to go and visit Paul as he's in a jail cell to bring him supplies, food, finances to keep him alive while he's in jail. Long story short. Verse 26, I am sending him because he has been longing to see you, and he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me, so that I would not have one sorrow after another. We also see Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica, that there were some people that were there that were worried about what would happen at the second coming of Christ with the believers that had died among them. So it makes sense that Luke is writing in the book of Acts about the miracles that happened over the last 30 years to encourage the believers to persist in praying in spite of the prayers that hadn't been answered. We already can see that in the church there were people that were sick, there were people that were struggling, there were people that had died prematurely. All these things that you and I have experienced in our life, the heartaches that you and I have experienced firsthand. They existed in the first century church, and so we are given a gift in the book of Acts that says, no, don't give up. Their miracles are happening around you. God is moving. God is doing great things. Yes, you may have been disappointed, but don't let that stop you from praying now. Let's continue and persist in praying for people that need healing, even though there's been disappointment, even though there's been heartache. Be encouraged with the stories and miracles of others and keep praying despite disappointment. I've heard people try to explain the reason that someone doesn't get healed the way they wanted to is a lack of faith. And it's important to remember that there are Bible verses that can be pulled together to make this case, but it is important to remember that Jesus says that all you need is faith the side of a mustard seed. This idea of, you know, people, you know, the miracle doesn't happen because someone's faith wasn't big enough. It wasn't large enough on whatever measurement scale we're using. But the words from Jesus says, you just need the faith the size of a mustard seed. And we can start shifting mountains. So this idea of, you know, we need this massive faith. Whereas Jesus says, no, you just need any kind of faith. Any scrap of faith you can pull together. You can see incredible things happen. I have a friend of mine. He's a, a preacher. Great guy. And he was, um, he was a British guy like me, um, which means you know you can trust him. But he was touring around Europe. I think this is back in the 80s. And he was uh, sort of doing a bunch of crusades around Europe. And I later on had this story verified. So I'm very confident that this is true. But they were praying for people to receive healing. And he ended up praying for a blind guy. And he, was, he prayed for the blind guy. He's praying like, Lord, open his eyes, pray for him, sight, and all that stuff. Then suddenly, the guy's eyes open. And he goes, I can see. And the pastor goes are you serious (laughs) great inspirational levels of faith (laughs) it was one time I prayed for a friend of mine he was not a believer did not have his faith in Jesus did not believe in Jesus did not believe in God at all he would describe himself as an atheist I prayed for healing for him he got healed that wasn't even enough for him to become a Christian but still here's somebody that literally had zero faith and they got healed At the same time, I've spent time with godly people, with all the faith in the world, like the biggest mustard seeds you've ever seen, and the miracle hasn't come. My thought is is that if we're blaming people for a lack of faith, does that also mean that we should be praising people when a miracle happens? If we're gonna blame people, you didn't have enough faith, you didn't pull it together, you didn't measure up, you didn't do well enough, it's your fault, Does the flip side of that coin mean that we should be giving them the glory when a miracle happens? To me, I can't reconcile that together. And to try and make sense of this, I started looking at what the Assemblies of God, the denomination that Word of Life belongs to, what the Assemblies of God has to say about this. And what I was able to find is something that is written by the, the experts of our denomination, the people that are the scholars, the academics, the professors, the people that teach in our Bible colleges, the Assemblies of God Bible colleges. They've written what we call a position paper that give the perspective of the denomination. So I want to share a part of this with you. This is part of a much longer uh, paper that they wrote, but this was helpful for me. In humility, we confess that we do not understand all that pertains to divine healing. These are the people that should know. And still, they're appealing to humility and saying we don't have it all figured out. We do not understand fully why some are healed and others are not any more than we understand why God permitted James to be martyred and Peter delivered. Scripture makes it clear, however, that our part is to preach the word, expecting signs, including divine healing, to follow. Finally, at the Lord's return, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortal, the full realization of divine healing will have come. Peter and John were able to say to the lame man who was to be healed, "'What I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk.'" may we too remain committed to the reality of the power of God to affect divine healing. And that's from the Assemblies of God, divine healing position paper from 2010. So even though we don't have a good reason as to why or why not, we're committed to pray. We're committed to pray for the sick because we're on the same mission as Jesus. My understanding is not the condition of whether we will pray for the sick or not. The condition of whether we will pray for the sick and believe for miracles is that we are committed to fulfill the mission Jesus has us on. We are committed to pray for the sick because we are on the same mission as Jesus. That's why we have the prayer team down here at the front at the end of every single service. That's why we have Pastor Mike who's able to operate as a hospital chaplain and go and visit people in the hospital. I know that a number of you here have had Pastor Mike come and visit with you. Just so happens I had a phone conversation with Pastor Randy this week. He's going to be a hospital chaplain in South Carolina starting next month. We receive prayer requests all week long. Life groups take time to pray for each other, including for people that are sick. Team members that are on one of our volunteer teams here can contact their leaders with any prayer requests. Our staff meet on Wednesdays and we pray together. We pray for the different needs in the church. Our elders are committed to prayer. Online service. There are people right now you can click request prayer and somebody will pray with you. We are committed to pray for the sick because we are on the same mission as Jesus. Now I've got five things to do when praying for healing. Five things to do when praying for healing. Now please note, this is not a magic formula or a recipe for a guaranteed healing. This is five things that I think are helpful for us to have in our minds and have in our hearts as we are praying for people that are sick. So are we all good with five things? All righty, all seven of you, I'm glad that we're going to do this. Five things to do while praying for healing. The first thing is show up. Show up Matthew 13:54. he returned, talking about Jesus. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed, he's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. If you were here last week, you know why there's so many Judases in the Bible. All his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. I've heard people focus on the reason that there were only a few miracles was because of the unbelief. And then they apply the scripture as if people were lining up around the block to come and get this healing. But roll with me for a second. If these people do not believe that Jesus has the power or the authority or the ability to heal them, they are not going to him for healing. Yes. That's, right. that's good. You only go to Jesus for healing if there's any part of you that believes that he can do this. Because of their unbelief, he only did a few miracles. They do not believe. Therefore, I don't think they're turning up. If we are gonna be praying for healing, first thing, show up. Show up, come to him for healing. Their unbelief meant they did not go to him. They did not go with any sense of expectation. They did not go, they did not look to him as a healer. They did not look to him as someone that can give them a miracle, someone that could bring them that relief. They did not show up. First thing, how to pray for healing? First one, show up. From Philippians 4, 6, let your requests be known to God. First thing is we're praying for healing, whether for yourself or someone else. First thing, show up. Second thing, how to pray for healing. Number two, be persistent. Be persistent. Luke 18, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A judge ignored her, uh, sorry, widow came of that city, came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? You know, as we've talked about already, there have been many times where I've prayed for people to get healing, and the miracle hasn't happened how I wanted it to. There is not a single time I regret praying for somebody. Not a single time. Not a single time that I wish that I wouldn't have wasted time praying for somebody that didn't get the miracle the way that I deeply wanted to. I'm glad that we've rallied together as a church to pray for people. And I would do it all over again. I think the only reasonable thing to do is to pray, to keep praying, and then pray some more. I had an example of when I was uh, on staff at my church back in the UK. And back then, I I wasn't a pastor on staff, I worked on the media team, so I was um, operating the cameras, kinda like the guys at the back. If you're in the building, turn around and wave to Peggy and Mike, they love attention. So I used to do that at my church, but the cameras weren't at the back of the worship center like they are here. They were kind of perched in the middle, And so one day we're in church, and I'm kind of on my camera, and uh, the the pastor just, you know, believes it's time to pray for one of the guys in the church who was uh, wheelchair-bound. And he was in a wheelchair because he'd had an accident, I believe it was about 18 months before then, he worked in a a warehouse, and a forklift truck had its, I don't know what it's called, like the two arms on the you know what I'm saying? Someone knows what it's called, and they're going to email me that I got it wrong. But the two things, forks, because it's a forklift truck, got it. pray for Megan so (laughs) the folks were up about yay high and then somebody sort of you know kind of lost control or there was some kind of accident the fork ended up jamming into this guy's back and the accident was so terrible that it left him wheelchair-bound and for 18 months the church had been praying his family certainly had been praying and then one Sunday the past like okay we're just gonna pray for Dave so we started praying for Dave Next thing we know, Dave's getting up out of the wheelchair. And Dave starts running around the church building. No, I'm on a camera, I'm in the middle, and I'm trying to get this thing, so I'm like spinning around, like I got cables wrapped around me and everything, like trying to get old Dave, who's got a new lease for life to go sprinting. That morning, that Monday morning, he went in and he had to talk to all the doctors and tell them, nope, I'm up, I'm healed. He then went, his next step was to go to the disability office and say, I don't need disability anymore. I'm up. I'm fine. It was a true honest to goodness miracle, but it came after 18 months of prayer. Now, some of you have been praying a lot longer than 18 months, but the reason I say this is be persistent. Don't give up. We are going to pray and then pray more and then keep praying, believing that God is going to do a work. Amen? Third thing, how to pray for healing number three. Don't confuse extravagance with effective. Don't confuse extravagance with effective. And read a story to you from the Old Testament, 2 Kings 5. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because though the Lord had given Aram great victories, but through Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time the Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying gifts of 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, With this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elisha, the prophet, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? "'Send Naaman to me, and he will learn "'that there is a true prophet here in Israel.' "'So Naaman went with his horses and chariots "'and waited at the door of Elisha's house. "'But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message, "'Go and wash yourselves seven times in the Jordan River. "'Then your skin will be restored, "'and you'll be healed of your leprosy.' "'But Naaman, the man who needed a healing, "'became angry and stalked away. "'I thought he would certainly come out to meet me,' he said.' I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abina, and the Pharaoh far better than all the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, something extravagant, something showy, something dramatic, something out of the ordinary, something wild, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. So Noman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. There was a time uh, in Montana where one of the kids is, uh, I believe it was Esther. She was, um, she was sick. She was kind of snotty and gross and stuff. And um, it caused me to miss church that Sunday. So in our church in Montana, I was the youth pastor and Megan was the worship pastor. So she was at church leading the church in worship. And I was staying home with a snotty little girl. And one of the guys from church was like deeply concerned about this. Like we need to pray for healing for this girl. And so I knew this guy. He was a great guy. Um, but He was really into healing, really sort of wanted to pray for healing, and he was big on going on overseas missions trips and praying for healing to happen and things like this. And so it was no surprise to me that he wanted to come to the house and was so determined to come to the house to pray for us, and I was happy to let him in. So sure enough, over he comes and knocks on the door, comes in, and then I'm sort of stood there with, you know, snotty daughter, and he just comes over and puts his hand on her and says, Lord Jesus, as it is in heaven, be here on earth. Pray that this girl gets healed. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, great to see you. We'll speak soon. And left. And I remember like, okay, you've been texting me all day about how important it is you come over. For that? But my eyes were on the wrong thing. If he were to come over with a long spell book, and a big, long-winded prayer, and a whole thing and a thing, and a you know Old Testament shafar and all the business. Wow, that was a powerful thing. A simple, in heaven as it is on earth, Lord, heal this girl. That. I know you're wondering if Esther got healed or not. Well, I mean, she's here today, so I mean, it couldn't have been that bad, but. The point is simply that we can have our focus and our emphasis on the extravagant. If someone is all kinds of dramatic, extravagant, and God uses it, that's fine with me. But from this account, from my experience in Montana, we shouldn't be more impressed because it's something is dramatic, extravagant, over the top, wild, and then less confident because someone's prayer for healing is simple. It's the wrong measuring stick. This brings me to the next thing, the fourth thing. How to pray for healing. Love the people you pray for. Love the people you pray for. Now, this is this is easy and intuitive and natural when these are people we care about, the people in our household, their close friends, their loved ones. Of course, we love the people we're praying for. But if we're praying for a total stranger, love the person you're praying for. Care about them, care about their life. Care about the devastation that this sickness has brought to them. The devastation that this is doing to their life, the implications of this sickness. Care about it. Feel it. Have a compassion. Have empathy. Galatians 5:6. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. 1 Corinthians 13. If I had the gift of prophecy... And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Matthew 14, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Praying for people is part of our mission because we're continuing the mission of Jesus. And Jesus loved people. We should get rid of any motive that is not driven By love for people. There's a guy in our church in New Jersey. He was a wild card to say the very least. But he had a deep heart for people that were sick and praying for the sick. And um, the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians that there's a a spiritual gift of healing. It says in 1 Corinthians. And I really believe this guy had that gift, it was a God given gift, and he came to me and he had big ideas about how we could start, you know, a ministry for praying for healing for people and things like this. And what I said is, you know, so okay, well let's get a group going and we'll let people know that we're gonna be praying for sick people to this group. And if the Lord moves, you won't be able to keep people away. And sure enough he starts this small group and they start praying for sick people and people start getting healed. And so yeah, this group grew and then they got to the point where This guy would, once a week, he would call me, and he was in construction, that was his day job, and he would call me and say, okay, I was remodeling this lady's kitchen, and I I just felt led to pray for her, and I did. And Tom, you've no idea, this happened, and that happened, and this got cured, and that, it was unbelievable, but it was every week. Not one time did he ever ask me to put him on the stage front and center. Not one time did he ever say, I want my name to be in lights because of how God's using me. There was not a hint of this, but he would get on the phone with me and he would cry, struggling to get words out of his mouth as he described the pain and the agony that people were in and the horrible effects that this sickness was having on people's lives. And then he got to pray and God moved. Not one time did he want me to blare out for his glory He just wanted to tell me till he had someone to celebrate with, that people weren't in pain anymore, that the impact of sickness was gone for someone's life. First thing I said, show up, be persistent, don't confuse extravagance with effective, love the people you pray for, and the fifth one is grow in eternal hope. Grow in eternal hope. Jesus' mission was to inaugurate and start his kingdom on earth. The kingdom of God is an eternal kingdom. One of the messages that we get from the New Testament writers is to keep an eternal perspective, is to have an eternal hope in Jesus, a hope in the eternal things. There's a lot of devastating things in the world and sickness and suffering are among the worst. And I'm relieved that one day sickness won't even be a memory. Revelation 21, verse three. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. When here on earth, a prayer for healing is answered, it all points ahead. A miracle here on earth, a miraculous healing here on earth, is a small inkling of the full, complete, and total healing that we'll experience in heaven. Any earthly healing, no matter how enormous or how dramatic, it's temporary. Lazarus, the man that Jesus raised from the dead, shortly afterwards, people were planning how to murder him. Any healing here on earth brings joy, brings relief, is celebrated, rightfully so, but it's temporary. Any healing means relief, but more importantly, it points to an eternity. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone, not temporarily, forever. The more we pray for healing, the more our desire for the eternal kingdom of God grows. The more we empathize with people, we join with them in prayer the more we're anticipating and looking forward to heaven where sickness and pain is gone forever. I'll share a Psalm with you I read this week. Psalm 123 verse one. I lift my eyes to you, O God, enthroned in heaven. I lift my eyes to you, O God, enthroned in heaven. My friends, when we pray, we lift our eyes. We lift our eyes. Our natural default, mine, yours, anybody's, our natural default is to have eyes down, consumed with what's happening around us. When we pray, we lift our eyes and remember, oh God, you are enthroned in heaven. When we pray for healing, it takes our eyes off of the circumstance, the pain, the suffering, the agony, the consequence of it, it takes our eyes and just lifts to heaven. It says, oh God, you're on your throne. It helps to reinforce that eternal perspective that I believe God is building in our hearts. There's a number of families here at the church that uh, a a big hobby that's very typical in central New York is to go mountain hiking. And so oftentimes there'll be people that, you know, I'm friends with and on Instagram, there'll be, you know, hey, me and the family hiked Mount so-and-so today and there's a picture and the picture is never of their feet on top of a mountain. I have not seen one yet. It's always lift our eyes. Gain a perspective, see more, see greater, see what God's doing. Our perspective, when we pray, we are lifting our eyes to see God enthroned on high in heaven. We are committed. If one person claps, we all have to. We are committed to pray for the sick because we are on the same mission as Jesus. Five things to do when praying for healing. Number one, show up. Number two, be persistent. Three, don't confuse extravagance with effective. Four, love the people you pray for. And five, grow in eternal hope. I invite the prayer team to come down front. And if you're here If you've got any physical need at all, anything, I want you to have the courage to come down here and pray with one of our prayer team members. If there's any elders here, ministry directors, any pastors that are available to come down. If you need prayer for any reason, they're here. If you have physical need, please, I'm begging you, come down here, pray with these people. I'm gonna believe by faith, we're gonna see a miracle in here today. I'm gonna believe that Jesus is gonna move. You've already heard me say, I've seen this in my life. My twins are here today because of a miracle of God. If you've got any need at all, please come down here. We're gonna spend some time worshiping and I'm gonna believe that God's gonna move. Lord Jesus, as people come down, Lord, I pray that you're gonna move. I know, I have seen it, I've experienced it, I've lived it, that you are powerful, you are able to do great and mighty things. We have sung today, we have declared that you will do it again. Lord, you move in this place. Your people are here ready to receive from you. Lord, I pray that we would have the courage to pray despite the disappointment of the past, despite what didn't happen. Lord, we come to you and we ask for miraculous, divine healing in here today. We are turning to you, not from the glory of anyone praying, certainly not for my glory, but for your glory to be seen and lived in people's lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. It's important I ask if there's anyone here that you're not following God, but you're ready to start today, I'd love to know who you are, and I'd love to pray with you. I promise we're not going to do anything to embarrass anybody. We're not going to do anything strange. We're not going to do anything that would make you uncomfortable. But I'd love to know who we're praying for today when we pray in just a moment. So if you're here today, and if I were to ask you directly, Are you living for God? Have you put your faith and your trust and your confidence of Jesus? Have you made in the Lord of your life? If that would just be an uncomfortable question for you. But today's the day where you know you're ready to cross that line. You're ready to start following God. I would love to pray for you. So if that's you today, will you just put your hand up in the air? I'm gonna pray for you in just a moment. Amen. Anybody else here? Once you put it up, you can put it back down. Amen. Anybody else? I promise I won't embarrass you. I'm not gonna do anything strange, but I'd love to know who we're praying for. Amen. Online, you can just push that button. that says, I raise my hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Wonderful. Well, we do this at the end of every service. We're gonna pray a prayer. The words are gonna be on the screen. I invite you to pray along, believing that when you pray a prayer like this, things start to change. So come on, everybody, would you pray this with me? Lord Jesus, i believe you died for me i want to follow you i invite you to be lord of my life help me follow you every day i want to leave my old life of sin behind and heal my broken relationship with god in jesus name amen amen come on word of life let's celebrate with those people